podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. To team of our lives, the nostalgic football podcast that celebrates the beautiful game in the 2000s and nowhere else. Joining me this week as ever is Mr. Harry Hansford. How are you this week? I'm not too bad, sir. How are you? Not too bad as well. Um, this week is a bit different to our other episodes. As, as per usual, we normally stick to a topic. This week, we're celebrating our first ever series and wrapping up our first ever series. So this is a kind of shortened episode, which I'm sure you'd be glad to hear because uh, our episodes at the moment are I'm having to edit and edit them down for like nearly three hours so um <laughs> this might be a welcome relief to your ears but uh thanks for being here anyway um so this week we'll be talking about our kind of um ways to improve football but stupid ways to improve football and what we'd argue ruin football as we know it not as much as the super league but you know <laughs> just just as a just as a just as a signing off to the end of series one because Series 2 will be coming up in a couple of weeks' time and we've got some exciting things coming up in the near future. Hoping to book some big guests and get their take on what football was like in the noughties. Um, and if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to this, make sure you follow, subscribe, like and review. Now that's the admin out of the way. We also have coming up the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. And as it is the end of the series, we thought we'd give one of our Hall of Famers the chance to escape. So me and Harry will be going through all of our inductees thus far in Series 1 and giving a couple of them the chance to escape the Hall of Fame and to go, you know what, they were quite a good player. And then we'll put it to a vote either on Twitter or Instagram up to, and then it'll be down to you guys listening. We also have Balak to the Future, Deal or No Deal, and we end it, as we always do, on Starting Eleven. But before we get on to weird and stupid ways to improve football, Obviously, it was quite prominent this week that the Manchester United-Liverpool game was called off because of fan protests against the Glazers, uh, which led me into doing a little bit of research into games that have been abandoned in weird circumstances in the only decade we care about, <laughs> the noughties, of course. For noughties, of course. And it was very much in the noughties where the Glazer out movement kind of um, began with the uh, gold, green and gold movement was started in 2009, famously David Beckham when he was playing for AC Milan, wore the scarf. But Harry, do you know why the scarf is green and gold? Uh, isn't it for colours of um, the original team that became Manchester United? Yes, Newton Heath uh, in 1878, around that time. Um, so yeah, a lot of people don't know that, so you now know. 
You're welcome. Happy days. Um, so yeah, I've got a few matches from the noughties. Some of them you may have heard of. I've tried to stick to weird ones that no one's heard of because we like the niche and we like the weird. Um, but the first one is called the Battle of Bramwell Lane, 2002. Is this a ringy bell, Harry, for you? Um, I feel like as we go into it, it's, I can't think who Sheffield uh, United are playing, but it's, it's one where they, they get too many players sent off, isn't it? And Warnock's it's manager... It, it, Exactly, yeah. Essentially, this yeah. is the one I completely, it's a game I completely forgot about. And then as soon as I read up on it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember, remember that happening. Um, so, yes, it was Sheffield United against West Bromwich Albion in what was then the first division. After nine minutes, goalkeeper Simon Tracy was sent off for handling the ball outside his area, which just is it, first of all, first of all, you're a goalkeeper, you've got like one job to do. <laughs> that's one of the things you do not do. Like, I, that's, I found that a bit weird. So Neil Warnock then, of course, used to substitute and he subs off an outfield player uh, for a goalkeeper. So he's got a goalkeeper in, which I believe is probably Paddy Kenny. Um, he eventually used all three subs within an hour, I believe. Two of the substitutes then got sent off, uh, one of them for a bad challenge and the other one for a massive brawl that um, sparked off afterwards. So this left Sheffield United with eight players and no substitutes left. But by the 80th minute, Two more Sheffield United players become severely injured and were unable to continue, which left Sheffield United with six players, which is one less than the seven required to continue the match. The match was therefore abandoned by the referee and West Brom awarded a 3-0 victory. Crazy. That's just like something, I, you know, when you're losing on FIFA, and you're like, oh, let's see if I can just get this called off by just fouling too many people and get too many red cards. You don't expect it to happen in real life. Yeah, I, I would have thought Gary Megson, who was managing West Brom at the time, would have been quite pleased with that. But he wasn't. He, apparently, he was, he was furious because, um, yeah, he wanted to get his, like, you know, give the few youngsters a chance to play in, like, the dying minutes. And, you know, a few of his players got injured in, in, in the harsh tackles. But, yeah, he was, he was really angry. So that's the Battle of Bramall Lane. That was 2002. Um, Sunderland versus Fulham, 2006. The match was abandoned after only 21 minutes due to heavy snow, waterlogging the pitch. But this is where it gets a bit weird. Fulham were winning 1-0 at the time and the match was replayed in the spring of that season. Sunderland would win 2-1. And uh, yeah, on the same day, the same thing happened between Watford and Wigan in the Championship. And uh, both results ended one all between Watford and Wigan. But in the Sunderland game, they came back to win, which is controversial because they were 1-0 down uh, after the game was called off. Uh, this one's a bit weird. Tramere Rovers against Mansfield Town 2003. Now, I'd be very surprised if any of you remember this for any reason whatsoever. Um, but it became quite memorable for being abandoned because of a fan. Let me explain. In what seems like a forgettable fixture on paper... Tramere Rovers were leading Mansfield Town 2-0 at Prenton Park in the spring of 2003. A spectator named Stephen Anglesey decided to climb the floodlight scaffolding and then leapt a death-defying gap to get onto the roof, much like Evil Knievel. He made the jump onto the cowshed stand and refused to leave the corrugated iron roofing. Stewards and the referee, fearing for the safety of the 7,000 fans below, it led to a decision by Mike Ryan, the referee, to decide to evacuate the ground and abandon the game at half-time. It gets worse. The match was replayed three days later, where Mansfield Town would get relegated and Tramley Rovers would miss out on a playoff place. Oh, mate, I bet that guy's hated. Yeah, he was fined was he, for £100. Was he, so was he 
A Tranmere fan? It doesn't say. I, I couldn't find it out. But um, okay. I imagine he was... If he was in the shed end... Was it the, uh, the cow stand? Cow shed stand? Um, I'd imagine he would have been a Tranmere fan. I think that's one of their stands. The Spider-Man of Tranmere. I had a look at it. When I, when I saw that come up, there's a picture of him doing it. It's not like a small jump. He had to proper leap from the floodlights to the stand, to the top of the stand. Um, but yeah, the, the fear was that the whole roof could have caved in and collapsed yeah, on a few sure. thousand people. Um, so I guess it was the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I suppose it would be Man- Mansfield fans who you know, got, got relegated, but uh, be a bit pissed off. But they were 2-0 down, yeah. so there we go. Um, Chester City 2009. This one's really weird. So they were in the conference and in protest to their owner, who had effectively bankrupted the club and had been found guilty of tax fraud, this meant there was a transfer transfer embargo on the club, and which meant they couldn't sign any players and they were very quickly hit with injuries and they were 27 points off safety come the end of the season, despite having what was relatively a good squad and they were, you know, they were gunning for promotion. But because they couldn't get any new players in or sell any players, um, it kind of meant they were stagnated with a squad full of injuries. Um, they were threatened of being booted out of the league by the Blue Square Conference. Uh, though they were bound for the drop, they still had a talented squad and good players who would win them matches. So even though they were deducted points, they were still winning matches all the time, even though they were kind of bound for relegation. All they really needed was a new owner to kind of stabilise the club and then they'll be bouncing back, hoping to get back into the Football League. Um, in a match against Eastbourne in the spring of 2009, um, they went three goals up against Eastbourne, uh, Chester City did. But after each goal was scored, the fans would invade the pitch. So on three separate occasions, the fans invaded the pitch. And then on like, the first time, the stewards got them back to the seats. The second time, um, stewards and the police got involved. And then the third time, it was just a riot, apparently. Um, but they all came on waving banners saying Stephen Vaughan out, who was the owner at the time. Um, he even had a stand named after him, which is a bit weird, considering how how hated he was. Maybe that was why they, like, there's like a club legend. <laughs> there's a club legend like Sean Dyche, and they were kind of like, nope. Well, it's Chesterfield, not Chester City, is it? Never. Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> anyway, club legend, and you can make the owner name to stand after himself. It's a bit. I, I don't know if that was the case, but it's a bit weird. Um, this one I'm sure you've heard about. So not so much a protest or an abandoned game as such, but controversial. And I think it's worth mentioning because it's kind of one of the bigger transfers of the of the noughties. It was, of course, the very controversial transfer of Luis Figo from Barcelona going to the Galacticos and major rivals Real Madrid. So after Luis Figo made the very controversial move from Barcelona to Real Madrid in the first El Clasico of the season, which I believe might have, was at the Bernabeu, um, it, fans are rioting before the game, during the game, and after the game. Um, it was played, but it was suspended for 25 minutes um, because the amount of just the Barcelona fans was just in uproar of what had happened. They couldn't believe that their golden child had moved to arch rivals, and um, someone got a um, a bloody pig's head and chucked it at him. And uh, yeah, the referee thought there was just going to be a massive a war that would break out, so he got all the players back into the changing rooms. Um, but that was hugely controversial at the time. It was. Yeah. It still is probably the most controversial transfer I can think of. Yeah, for sure. I think as well, they, uh, I think he, Figo, the first game, decided he wasn't going to take corners because of how dangerous That's it right, would be. Yeah. But by the second game, he had, they played each other, he was like, no, I'm going to start taking corners. And 
they were still just throwing like yeah, say pigs' heads and mitres, all sorts at him. I think cabbages, you know. Yeah. It's just well, I'm uh, trying to think of um, what were the other controversial transfers. So I will get on to Balak of the Future later on, but like Steven Gerrard nearly went to Chelsea, didn't he? Yeah, that would have been. Um oh. I don't think Fernando Torres going to Chelsea was too controversial because I don't think Chelsea and Liverpool were ever really you know, if you think of Barcelona, Real Madrid, rivalry, yeah. Chelsea, Liverpool, although they did play each other a lot in like the quarterfinals, the Champions League and FA Cup and stuff around that time, they weren't rivals as such. No. They weren't going for the league, were they? Um, no. Obviously, obviously uh, both sold to Arsenal and then uh, Ashley Cole uh, to Chelsea. Yeah. Being big. Big moves from you know London clubs there. Um, Saul Tevez, Tevez, Saul Campbell to uh, to Arsenal, yeah. and Spurs. Um, yeah, definitely Tevez without a doubt. Yeah, weird, a weird time. There was some, there were some big moves, wasn't there? Um, a lot of players went. Still to this day, a lot of players go between Inter and AC Milan. And mm. I don't know if I they're that, think... really that too bothered, are they? Because they share the stadium. No, yeah. It's not. It's not yeah. like. A, We'll get on to one of those later on as well. In fact, we'll get on to that right now. Um, Christian Vieri, um, again, not abandoned or anything else, but quite a controversial protest in his own right. So he's a formidable striker for Inter Milan. His strike partner was Hernan Crespo at the time uh, in 2003. Him and uh, so Vieri and Crespo dominating up, up top for Inter Milan in 2003 in Serie A. Um, but to everyone's surprise and to the dismay of Inter fans, Crespo was sold to Chelsea and Vieira, uh, Christian Vieri pretty much refused to celebrate any goal he scored that season. Um, he, he said, I'll continue to do my best for Inter, but I'll never celebrate a goal again. And um, he did actually go to AC Milan after that. So, um, yeah, he was one of the first players to kind of, you know, when like a player plays against his old club and refuses to celebrate. It was Christian Vieri who kind of made that popular culture. I'm pretty sure it never really yeah. used to happen before that. Um, this one was quite interesting as well. Is this the last one I've got? Yes, it is. Um, in 2009, Iran played against Korea in the World Cup qualification match. Three players had worn green wristbands in support of Mir Hossein Mousavi, who was the direct opposition to the president at the time, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. The three players, including Bayern Munich winger and player Ali Karimi, were forced into retirement with immediate effect. In 2001, also a match between two Iranian club teams were abandoned, were, were abandoned after the linesman was attacked by a stray dog. He tried to fend it off as a corner flag, but the wound was so severe that he had to abandon the game. As, uh, wow. How did it get that far into the stadium to get into the, like, the, onto the pitch? That's I don't think they have... They don't have ma- having been to Iran, I know they, they don't have massive stadiums. So it's kind of just... Yeah. Those kind of, you know, when you go, off, you go on like default FIFA stadium and it's kind of like yeah. just an Olympic track around the field. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Probably like one stand or whatever. But still, like, you shouldn't be, a dog shouldn't be getting that far. I don't care how bad the stadium is. Like, it should be yeah. protected somewhere. And there needs to be a fence at least, right? <laughs> you <would have> thought <laughs> so. Yeah. Similar thing, um, a similar thing happens. I don't know if you, there's a documentary on Netflix called Losers. And one of the episodes is about Torquay United. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's just my local club. It's, if for those listening, it's like the closest club to me. Um, a few miles down the road. But basically in like 1987, one of the 
stands burnt down and the club basically went into liquidation to try and rebuild the stadium. And they were destined for the drop to drop out of the Football League. But on the last match of the season, they were playing Crew Alexander, Alexandra, um, who were about to get promoted. They'd already won the league and they were about to get promoted. They were best, the best team in League Two at the time. And they were playing Torquay and we needed a point to um, escape the drop. But basically, a police dog attacked one of the players on the pitch and it took like 10 minutes for to stop the dog attacking this guy on the pitch um, which added enough it added on enough injury time for Torquay to score an equaliser in like the 99th minute and it was yeah it pretty much saved the club from going under crazy but there's yeah for those of you who haven't watched Losers on Netflix um, check it out it's got more of a full story but it is um Remarkably funny. Um, yeah, and then going back to the Iran thing, three players were banned from ever playing again for opposing the President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. He's a controversial figure anyway, but he was... Um, yeah. I don't know if he's still the President. I'm assuming not. But there we go. It's, cra- it's crazy to think, because uh, like, in you know in uh, most Western countries, we, we try and like keep politics out of football as much as possible. But if a uh, player had to stand against... The leader of that country. There's no way of abandoning him. They might, they might find him, or they might like, uh, you know, the press might make a big thing out of it. But there's no way he get banned. It's just, it's crazy yeah. to think of the power they have to be like, oh, you're banned from playing international football forever. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it was three of the most prominent players. As I, as I said, one of them played for Bayern Munich. So if you yeah. imagine, you know, players from Iran don't always get to the highest heights in terms of the football pyramid. So he would have been seen as a hero. Of course, you know, yeah. just as much as the president, if not more, more liked at least. Um, yeah, weird, weird. Any any games in your time in your in your in your history of following Portsmouth? Can you recall any protests? I suppose there must have been in relative I mean, recent history of all the administration stuff going on for the last yeah, 10, 20 years. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely been times with a uh, with multiple administrations and um, possibly being liquidated of like being protests mainly sort of set up by what was the supporters trust who eventually got control of the club and owned it for a, a few years before uh, the Eisners came in. So there's definitely like protests there. And then obviously there was people outside for high court when we're finding out whether we're going to be liquidated or not. Or, Cause there was a, not to go into it too much, but there, there, there's a Hong Kong businessman who may have, may or may not have been making up other businessmen. He was selling the club to, going an admin and buying it back from to like free some money up from the Gadamax or, or something. And it got to a point where he, he was back owning us for the second time. We're an admin for the second time underneath him. Like he's a reluctant owner. Um, and he was, he would rather, it was, it was got to a point where he, they're at court and he was rather it go liquidated so he could get his money from selling the land, basically. Um, or the court could appoint for, uh, for supports trust to own it as long as they, you know, gave him a certain amount of money. So, so Pompey, Pompey fans, you know, put thousands of pounds in each to get that money. And luckily the court sided with the fans. But yeah, there's always protests going on about that and uh, people uh, stood outside of a high court. But even recently, like there was talks of, I don't think we ever happened because of lockdown, but with Kenny Jacket, there was talks of people being out, going outside and, you know, protesting to get Kenny out. So the Pompey fans can be... You know, just as a, I don't know what the right word is really, but they can, you know, they can, they can 
kick up a fuss when they need to. They can be fierce, fierce and yeah. Mini. Absolutely. Well, again, as always, follow us on the Instagram, ultimate11.football, and at Team Royal Lives on Twitter. And has your club ever had a mass protest or a game abandoned? Because um, I do think, like, some of, some of the stories, as I've just read out there, are quite funny in ways, particularly in the lower leagues, where, mm. you know, t- clubs, due to weather or just crap facilities, you know, matches get abandoned. Steps past Toure, but not past Sambrona. Given straight to Paul Scholes! Series one is over. We thought we'd have a little bit of fun with this kind of end of series episode and talk about ways to improve football. Um, we've had the European Super League try and destroy everything we've uh, worked so hard to achieve <laughs> within the British game. So we thought we'd come up with a few funny, obscure and weird ways to improve football for an galactic audience around the world. So even 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 people who don't like football can get involved with football because they might find it more interesting. So the... the um, some of the ideas we've got are mine and Harry's and some of them you guys have sent in and they are just ridiculous um, as well. So this is how to improve football in 2021. Um, so I don't know about what you've got, Harry, but some of the, some of the rules that have been uh, suggested to me to make a change in the beautiful game are just ridiculous, but also quite funny. I said to you before we started recording that replacing the full-size goals with jumpers for goalposts like we used to have as kids. It'd be quite a funny uh, funny thing to do. Um, but yeah, kick us off, Harry. What, what do you think would make football more entertaining? All right, so I've been very tongue-in-cheek with my suggestions here, but I think a, a great way to start off would be like uh, essentially with how much sponsorship there is in the game, let's just take it to the next level and let's let the sponsors switch the ball with their product. So all of a sudden we've got like Domino sponsoring a game and there's a pizza on a pitch and you've got to kick this pizza rather than a football. <laughs> think of all the crazy stuff we cross promotion we can have, you know. You probably get like um like Pirelli tires and you've got like roll the ball <laughs> into the net. That'd be quite a good sponsor. It's just, you else? just don't want uh, you don't want a car as your sponsor, do you? You don't want to be trying to kick an Audi. It turns like a massive, uh, massive rugby scrum, like trying to push this like Audi across the uh, <laughs> across the line. That'd be quite funny, to be fair. Quite, I tell you what, like a, I don't know, a make of a remote control car, but a remote control car just like going around the pitch, and everyone trying to trying to like boot the Try fuck out of it. It'd be like the golden snitch in Quidditch, mate. Ex- exactly. That'd be good. That'd be good. Um, so what I mind is. I might have said this before, but in the 85th minute, I think play the game as normal, but in the 85th minute, three more balls get dropped in <laughs> by helicopters. And then it's just chaos. <laughs> well, why by helicopters? So they're just like bouncing around for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> no, if you've got a glorious first touch, you're at a good advantage. Um, <laughs> if you can do like a, you know, Phil Foden, just drop it down onto your foot, uh, trap it under. But yeah, so you've effectively got four balls on the pitch. So even if you're even if you're three nil down, if you can get all those balls in in the last five minutes of the game, that's it. Um, that's when you, you want like a, that's when you want like a Peter Crouch on your bench. You just like bring him on at eighty fifth minute. Just be like, all right, just try and head any of these balls. Like just put chuck a couple of giants on, but just oof all, all balls up front. See what happens. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious, wouldn't it? Be quite good if, if when that rule comes in, and it will come in at some point, I'm sure. Uh, FIFA, if you're listening, 
Um, you're allowed to take two players off for one goalkeeper, so you can have two goalkeepers. <laughs> Just to make it a little bit fair. Perfect. <laughs> Talking about goalkeepers, then I reckon we should. Uh, you'll remember. You'll, I'm sure you'll uh, remember this game, but I think we should involve it in football. Where, say, you uh, the goalkeeper concedes the first goal, he has to like tie one arm behind his back, make it a <laughs> bit harder. He concedes another. The other arm goes behind his back and you can see he's the third one and he goes down on one knee, you know, continues. You can see he'd fall, you're on both knees and got no arms and all you can do is use your head. I think that should happen. That's very harsh on a goalkeeper who's already conceded. <laughs> to make it, it harder, be, isn't it? To uh, make it better for, better for the... That's what he gets. More goals. Punishment. More goals, yeah. <laughs> That'd be especially harsh if we've uh, been sponsored by Audi that week and you've got to push a car into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate um, so what I quite like bring about... on a second goalkeeper later that's true yeah. what, I, what I quite like about this feature is like not changing things too much so the game we've got the beautiful game we've got at the moment is fine but just like little changes that we can to yeah, enhance yeah. it so maybe an Aldi and sponsorship is a bit too much but um, <laughs> but how about this on penalty duty it's got to be your manager oh yes so that that doesn't that doesn't ruin the reputation of the game as we know it today. But whenever there's a penalty, you've got to hope that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is your manager. So <laughs> Manchester United have got a pretty good go, but who's who's got the worst in the Premier League? Probably Crystal Palace. Roy, I can't imagine Roy Hodgson like. Yeah, no. Roy Hodgson is about to take his run up, heart attack. Like <laughs> <laughs> poor Roy. Yeah. Maybe a few years ago he would have uh, at least. Not had an heart attack running up to it. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's quite a good one. Yeah, I think it'd be great. I'd love, like, not that he's really a manager anymore, but I'd love to have seen Harry Redknapp (laughs) stand up to take a penalty. I'm sure it would have been awful. (laughs) But talking about just, like, little changes. All right, how about this then? So, uh, once you've made a substitute, if the substitute catches the ball while he's still on the bench... You can come back on. <laughs> Wait, how, how would that happen then? What if the ball just goes up in the air? Yeah, so you, you, you'll start you, tactically you know, you, moving the ball towards your bench, wouldn't you? Uh, Do you ever, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Do you, <laughs> Do you ever play, ever play heads and volleys? Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you don't play heads and volleys, you basically you've got like one goal and you've got head and volley it in. If you, get, you, know, if you volley it in, it's one point off. your 10 points you started with. If you head it in, it's three points off, etc. etc. If the goalkeeper catches the goal, catches the ball, sorry, um, you swap places. So it, re- it reminds me of that. Yeah. It's like if he's got Bas- a- I was basically thinking of remember, like, did you ever play bench ball when you're at school? Yeah. And I was basically thinking of that, where like, you know, if you catch it, you can come off the bench or whatever. Mm. That's sort of exactly exactly just ripping it off. Like you catch it as a substitute, you can come off the bench and go on the pitch. So is there any limit to the amount of uh, people who can come on? I think it should be only if you've been subbed off you can come back on. Or is it like after the 75th minute everyone, <laughs> oh, keeps, yeah, everyone. everyone, keeps, everyone keeps chipping the ball to the subs? <laughs> penalty, uh, the uh, manager catches it. He can come on. Doesn't just take penalties. <laughs> That's quite good. I like that. I like that. Um, my next one is remarkably simple but I think it's effective. Post saves all. That's it. That's pretty much it. 
It works. Classic. You can't go posting in, doesn't work. Posting out, doesn't. Nothing happens. <laughs> Post seems all. <laughs> uh, so to go with your managers taking the penalties, I think um, the mascot should have to go and goal for all penalties. The mascot. So if like West Brom, the boiler just stood there, it'd be nothing more, <laughs> nothing more off-putting to to a striker than a boiler stood in goal. You know. Oh my god! I think there was a club in the nineties. Like, I think it was like Tranmere Rovers. It was someone like that. And they were sponsored by like a fridge company, and for like one or two years, their mascot was a giant fridge. So like, <laughs> imagine putting them in goal. <laughs> I tell you what, the um, the West Ham mascot, the hammer. Imagine the head on that. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> bullet header. <laughs> Starting to sound like uh, some sort of Mario version of uh, yeah, football now, isn't it? the uh, the Red Devil of uh, Manchester United would pop a ball with its horns. <laughs> Yeah, Gunnosaurus. <laughs> Gunnosaurus comes out, comes on at half time. Half time show, he takes penalties anyway. So why not? Oh, he's got practice. The mascots take penalties. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Excellent. Um, to continue with the head and volleys theme, so it used to be for a volley, it was like one point. Uh, no, half volley was one point. Full volley was two points. Header was three. But if you scored like an overhead or like a Back here or something, it was like five points. So I'd like to carry that over to a normal match. Like if you score an overhead kick, it counts as like three goals. Yeah, I love it. So I think we'd see more dynamic play there. <laughs> Basically, uh, bringing in like an American style point system of depending on how good the goal was. Yeah, headers still count as one. But yeah, yeah, if it's a beautiful goal, I think you should get like. <laughs> More Overhead. goals. Overhead, it's like a, a mazy Lionel Messi-esque run. Because think, think, the goals of the month would be fucking incredible, wouldn't it? Like... <laughs> but, yeah, what would you get if you like, halfway line? Halfway lines, that's going to be like four, four. End the game. I <laughs> uh, mean, well, bad if you spent like 80 quid on their ticket. And like Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney does a trademark, scores some 50 yards. What was, what was that? Uh, oh, I forget. Just so base, basically, I think what should happen is, sorry, after a penalty shootout, everyone that's missed their penalty has to go and go, <laughs> fall down their trousers, and uh, whoever scored a penalty gets to kick balls at them. Yeah, tan ass. <laughs> it's, it's called different things, but anyway, you went to school. Yeah, but, yeah. I think we usually but, just call it bum. Yeah, bum. <laughs> we call it tan ass. Yeah, effectively just line people up on the goal line and try and twat it at them. That's good. This one's possibly my favourite one. Because, again, it's perfectly simple. The match stays the same. So we're keeping the core values of football, how it is today, which is how we know and love it. But you're only allowed to use two subs per game. But the third sub, which you can use, is a random seat number. <laughs> and you, 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 you push you, <laughs> you, you, you push a button and it's any seat oh. in the stadium so it can be like the east stand row C seat 27 and then that fan is your third sub and it could be for the opposite team it, does, it doesn't matter and they've you know you know every uh, week it's going to be the, uh, the guy who's there with his pie in one hand like oh shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
the one, the one, the one game it goes to the disabled section. <laughs> <laughs> Someone zipping around in their mobility scooter. <laughs> uh, I, I do generally like that. I think that shit. Didn't Harry Redknapp let a fan play once? Uh, I don't know. Not, not off the top of my head. It was a story where like he was chatting shit and like a friendly pre-season game. He was chatting shit while watching the game and Harry said, oh, do you want to do any better? And he let him on and like apparently he nearly scored or something. <laughs> there we go. Wouldn't surprise me, to be fair. Yeah. Any more? Uh, so I've got one. So rather than take penalties, you nominate a player from each team and they have to play a bit of foosball. First one to score there. <laughs> So you score for penalty. Enter the foosball arena. <laughs> oh, that's great. I could go on for a while though. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. I think if um if you get nutmegged, um that's a hundred pounds towards the uh, halftime lottery. <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's good. It's got an incentive to buy a lottery ticket, and you've got an incentive to nutmeg people. Very good, very good. Uh, this is another one of my favourites as well. It, it's occurred to me that the ball boys sat around the pitch, don't really do much most of the game. <laughs> so maybe in like the last 10 minutes, the balls they've got, they're allowed to throw at the players. And if they get hit, it's like dodgeball, that player gets out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's sensational. This- so you could, you could end up with like only three players on your team. <laughs> But they're really allowed one throw. The ball is all just going to go for the best player on the away side, way, right? So if, if, it, if they're that good, they'll be good at dodging the ball. Yeah, true. <laughs> just go for goalkeeper. Get him out. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got all the, you've got all the people on the bench trying to catch them to try and come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We can buy these two. Yes, I how, like that's it. That's how it works. <laughs> I like it. Anything else? Your end? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I've said all the ones I wrote down. Uh, oh, I was, was going to say players have been sent off can come back on, but they have to wear the uh, mascot outfit. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, had Steve get got sent off a lot, didn't he? <laughs> He'd be well annoyed coming on wearing like a sweaty thing. <laughs> it's up to him. He doesn't have to. But if he wants <laughs> least, to continue, he has to he, wear the outfit. <laughs> You won't be able to spit on anyone because he's got a mask. <laughs> <laughs> as, as it's bonuses. <laughs> uh, dear. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I, I just thought of this, but I quite like the idea for every match, you, you know, the numbers players wear. Yeah. They don't really mean anything. Like, so I think, like, the, the number you've got on the back of your. Sure, it's like how many goals you've scored or how many appearances you've made. That'd be quite good. I think that's just generally quite a good idea. Or if you play shit, it like slowly reveals your phone number over like a number <laughs> of games. It's, like... it's just when like at the beginning of a season, everyone's running around with zero on the back. No one scored a goal yet. Mm, exactly. it's, when you, yeah. it's when it gets embarrassing when the goalkeeper has got like one and then like he's <laughs> yeah. scored a fluke and then like right back or your centre-mid still on zero. <laughs> mm. Jeremy Ali, Ali, yeah. Always on zero. Yeah. Something like <laughs> 0.0. <laughs> um, 
this one I quite like as well. So if the game ends as a draw, obviously yeah. you're a punter, you've paid good money. You maybe you might have travelled hours to Wembley or to wherever the game's being played. Might have even have travelled abroad and spent loads of money. And the bloody game ends in a boring nil-nil. What do you do? Well, at the end of the game, all the players have to go into the centre circle and they've got to push each other out like a giant sumo. <laughs> and the last one... <laughs> yes. <laughs> the last one left is the winner. And that's the winning team. They get the three points. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure Wickham Wanderers would just <laughs> try and go nil-nil the whole time. So, <laughs> I was just going to say, just... <laughs> they, they'd win the Premier League if they can like get a nil-nil <laughs> with an academic one. It's like, beast mode activated. <laughs> You would sign like the world's like Eddie Hall and people like that, wouldn't you? You'd like <laughs> The Rock, get the world's Rikishi. strongest men. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Shawcross. Yeah. I'd just be going scouting in Japan to sumos, full stop. <laughs> Coming on. Hido Toshi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I like that idea. That'd be very fun. Um, I think once a year, a team should have to field a team of 11 di- different nationalities. <laughs> okay so it truly is like the World Cup so you've got like 11 different nationalities against 11 another 11 different nationalities that could be like an exhibition game doesn't have to be a club um, I like it this one's quite interesting if it's you know like some teams like when Watford got fucked over by Man City like 6-0 in the FA Cup final we want to try and stop that from happening again so every goal you concede shrinks your goal by a metre <laughs> so it makes it harder to score. <laughs> Didn't uh, <laughs> what's the set player when talking about women's football? Was like we should make for goals smaller and the uh, shirts tighter. Yeah, that's right. What a creepy old turtle man he is. <laughs> that's one rule. That's one rule we can introduce: ban set player from ever saying anything ever again. <laughs> Uh, how um, about when on the <laughs> if you uh, every game you have to bring Derby County you have to bring on Robbie Savage for at least 10 minutes ever. no matter how old he gets just forever excellent <laughs> absolutely excellent um, if, the, if the ref makes a bad decision he too can get sent off who's <laughs> <laughs> sending him off who's giving uh, the, the uh, VAR people Okay, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Just like review the decision, send it yeah, off. Exactly. Or comes on another ref. I also think it's got to be if a lottery, there's a lottery for a, for a fan to referee as well. <laughs> that'd be quite good. And they should make more use of the VAR screens. Like, you know, like in the World Cup, they play the third group game at the same time as the other match. Yeah. Or on the last day of the Premier League, where you need, you need to know. You know, they, they play all the games at the same time, don't they? So they know who's going to get relegated and who might win the league. So they use the VR screen so all the players can huddle around and watch what's going on in the other game. Like, so know what they have to do. Yeah, I think that's quite good. Um, yeah, what else? What else? It'd be quite good if like the pitch started off really narrow and then like every few minutes just slowly widened and widened and widened. <laughs> it'd be quite. It won't be very entertaining, but it'd be quite interesting. It goes to, back as well watch. after it hits. Mm-hmm. The right dimension. It starts getting narrower again. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, in bowling, when you're not very good at bowling, you put the sides up. <laughs> <laughs> put the sides up, yeah. Put the sides up on the pitch, so there's no throw-ins. 
Just bounces back in. Well, <laughs> so, so high anyway. And then you got like, you could probably, even Hazard would do that. For, you know, when you kick it against the wall, it bounces back and you run past the player. You can kind of uh, do that. Like, you used to do sports halls. And Oversize. Legs right, yeah. 100%. Um, 16-yard box after every now and then, just a, a net appears around it. That'd be quite fun. Like a tennis net. <laughs> so they can only score, like, they can't score by uh, putting it along the ground. I feel like we're missing a trick with free kicks. We haven't really mentioned free kicks. Oh, yeah. It's got, it's got to be. It's got to be something we can do. Um, oh, instead of a wall of men, it's just an actual wall. <laughs> it's just quick. The brickies come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring on the brickies. <laughs> That'd be quite funny. Oh, um, free kicks. Yeah. Well, instead of throw-ins, you do kick-ins. I suppose that's done sometimes, isn't it? Certain things. Five aside, uh, six aside. Again, if you've got any more, those of you listening home, of course, Twitter at Team Royal Lives, Instagram on Eleven.Football. But it's quite it's quite nice to do for an end of series thing, isn't it? Um, free kicks, yeah. I do feel like we're missing a trip with free kicks. Is there anything else we could do? I don't really know. Probably blindfolded. Not, uh, blindfolded. That should definitely that should be a, like a forfeit for <laughs> for something. Oh, instead of a yellow card, you blindfolded for like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Blindfolded for three minutes would be pretty good. If it's a red card, it's ten minutes. Then yeah, <laughs> no one's actually never not playing. That'd be pretty good. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever like played for a football team, but sometimes um, you hear stories of like eleven aside teams. They'll give the worst player on the pitch a pink bib. So let's bring let's bring that into the Premier League. The worst player on the pitch gets a pink bib. <laughs> So, um, and it can be voted for by the fans like, uh, <laughs> on, a, on a Twitter poll. So at half time, it changes, you know, there's a player who's worst before the match. And then at half time, it changes to the, who's played the worst. It's an incentive then to perform better, isn't it? It is, it is indeed. Mm. Um, the man of the match award should always be a Toblerone. <laughs> Not sure why. I thought that'd be quite funny. Um, for one game a year, the goalkeeper gets like a goalkeeping stick, like an ice hockey stick. And he can kind of like, he can use, when he dives, he dives with the stick to give him a little so bit he, extra reach. Does the manager get to choose which which game he gives it to him, or is it just yeah. random? So okay. they could say they could save it for Man City, but they only get one yeah. token. Um, I don't know if that would that help the keeper. I suppose if you've got like a massive paddle, that might help. If you learn how to use it properly, or maybe you've got one goalkeeper who's trained in like <laughs> the NHL and he can like use it to his advantage. Um, I think the pitch should change to coincide with the seasons. So in the summer, you're like playing on sand, the whole pitch is sand. In, in the autumn, it's just like full of leaves. <laughs> um, artificial snow in the in the winter. Oh, I was to, uh, that game uh, we went to watch Aldershot play, and we had to literally dig out for lines. Yes. Yeah, like, speaking speaking about games being abandoned, how was how how that was still allowed to go on? I would never. I, know. Ne- <laughs> I don't know. I I think it, I, was, it was incredible, though. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, listening, there's a picture on my Twitter, I believe, but it was like four inches under. Um, that's what she said. Um, there's four inches buried of snow, which is. Like they literally had to dig out the they dug out the lines, nothing else. Yeah. Did they have an orange ball? I think they must have. Ball. Yeah. They That's must another have. thing. It's another rule I bring in. I change the colour of the ball 
like every so often as well, like oh. every couple of weeks, because it's always Do- just a white boring. Yeah, Premier League ball, isn't it? You see, you ever seen when like those videos where people were playing with the ball of light? Uh, I think so. Where they set it on fire? I think one game a year they should be the ball should be on fire. <laughs> yeah, death match. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we can coincide that with the uh, the ball boys when they throw in the dodgeballs. So you've got like flaming <laughs> balls everywhere. That'd be pretty funny. That's good. All right, so out of the ones we've done so far, my favourites, I believe, are um, the 85th minute multi-ball comes in. Multi-ball, like pinball. I think that works really well. I think your third sub is like a random fan selected from a seat number. Yeah. That works really well. Um, And the ball boys as as dodgeballers, I think, works really well as well. For sure. For sure. Well, that's all I've got. It'll make the game better and worse at the same time. 100%. But by all means, if you're listening, get in touch and uh, yeah, let us know how you'd improve football. But it's time for our regular features before we wrap up season one. It's time to go into the DeLorean, fill up the flux capacitor as we go back to the future. This is the relatively new feature where we discuss a few transfers that very nearly happened and could have altered the universe into what we know today in a butterfly effect. Styley, did you know in 2005 Pep Guardiola nearly moved to Wigan Athletic? Towards the end of his career, after a second spell with Italian side Brescia, he joined Qatari club Al Ahi and he then had an option and came very close to joining Paul Jules Wigan Athletic but instead opted for sunny Mexico and joined Dorados. I mean, Wigan or Mexico? Where are you going? It's a tough choice, isn't it? It's a I tough choice. You might have saw Paul Jules' uh, sex tape earlier as well. I was like, oh, <laughs> not for me. Nope. Nope, Paul Jules, nope. <laughs> uh, this next one, Arsene Wenger. As always, he's linked to absolutely everybody, but I think this is uh, quite a famous story as well. Arsene Wenger... Uh, as he often is so often linked with wonder kids and promising youngsters, this time in the form of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who was at Malmo in the year 2000. He was given a personalised Arsenal shirt, number nine, and invited to a trial by Arsene Wenger. This incited the classic Zlatan Ibrahimovic line, Zlatan doesn't do auditions. And he, of course, then joined Ajax. Apparently two years before that, um, Zlatan rocked up at the training ground training ground of uh, Queen's Park Rangers and uh, Jerry Francis, who was manager at the time, neglected to give him a trial, allegedly. Doesn't do auditions, though. He doesn't do auditions. Well, apparently he did back then, joined Malmo, <laughs> and then didn't do auditions. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got some... If it's, if it's true, that is... You've got some, like, balls to turn down a trial at Arsenal on the back of... I, I don't do trials. Like, because... You know, doing very well in the Swedish league doesn't mean it's going to translate. Obviously, for him, it did, but I'm sure. Yeah, I think you got to remember, like, he was, like, top goal scorer in the Swedish league, like, two years in a row at the age of 17 or something stupid. So, it's, he, he knew his stock was valuable. Yeah. And even if he did go to Arsenal, the fact that he was given a trial... would you would suspect that he was never going to be on the first team sheet. And I think he wanted yeah. to go straight into playing. And to be fair... Went to a very good Ajax side 
and did yeah. start playing straight away. So fair play. Um, lastly, in 2008, six years before he became a World Cup winner, a young Bastian Schweinsteiger had made the shortlist for Kevin Keegan's Newcastle United for a must-have player. He was scout- He scouted the German extensively, who looked like he may be on his way out of Bayern Munich after falling out of form, but he eventually opted to sign Nacho Gonzalez on loan instead. And obviously, Bastian Schweinsteiger spent the vast majority of his career at Bayern Munich. So there we go. Those are the three Back to the Futures this week. But it's time now for everybody's favourite future. And we're going to do it a little bit differently this time. Mr. Robbie Savage, Hall of Fame. This is the segment in which we induct a former player into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame who was terrible. How on earth did they get professional contracts? They weren't as good as everyone remembers them to be. But as this is the last Robbie Savage Hall of Fame in the series, and potentially ever, who knows, we thought we'd give one, we'll give two, two former inductees of the Hall of Fame the chance to escape with their pride as being a half-decent player. And it'll be up to you via Twitter or Instagram to vote for which one you want to survive. It's basically Big Brother, but you're saving for the professional pride of a former footballer rather than uh, anything of any interest. But there we go. So before we do that, let me go through the inductees who are in there already. Harry, would you like to give us your nomination this week? Yes, okay. So uh, I've gone for a play. I'm hoping you, you might remember, but I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. Um, and this is one Daniel Cardona. Cardona? Yeah. He uh, he briefly played for Newcastle United in the year 2000. So he's an Argentinian player. He has uh, made 261 appearances throughout his career. And scored 78 goals. He played as a striker. Um, so he started off at Valzer Sarsfield, uh, 106 appearances, 40 goals. From there, he moved to Racing Club in the year of 2000, but um, it's quickly signed away uh, by the Magpies. He plays only 21 times and scores two goals in the league, once past Derby and one past Tottenham. He scores once in the League Cup and then is on the move straight straight away. So after that single uh, season in the Premier League, he goes back to Argentina. He stays there for the rest of his career. He um, played for Argentina Juniors for one season, playing 34 games, scoring 13 goals. But it's moved, moved once again to San Lorenzo, where he makes 41 appearances and scores 12 times. That's uh, so over two seasons. He's on a move again, and uh, plays a single season with Argentino Di Merlo, scoring five goals in 24 games, and then plays his final season with Independiente River de Villa with 19 games and only two goals. So it's quite a forgetful career, but this is what makes him Robbie uh, Savage Hall of Fame worthy. Flash forward to November 2014. There's a friendly between Brazil... 
veterans and Argentina veterans. <laughs> They're great players on the pitch, such as uh, who've we got here? We've got Oscar Ruggeri, Ariel Ortega, Junior uh, Benicio, and Adelio. Yeah. But the star attraction was none other than uh, Claudia Canicia, uh, the guy who played for, you know, played 50 appearances for Argentina. He got to World Cup uh, three times. Um, he played for Rangers of all teams as well. He was the big player everyone wanted to see. With his lovely blonde, long hair, his number seven. Uh, and he, something was amiss when he came out on the pitch. He wasn't quite the same player, literally, because he was actually Daniel Cordona, who had never once got capped for Argentina. But for some reason, he was pretending to be the great. Um, so for that alone, I think... Really? Yeah. I think basically the story is that he was there and Canicia uh, had missed his flight. So they're like, shit, everyone's paid to see him. You've got blonde hair. You got long blonde there. You go out, but obviously the big difference is uh, Cordona's got a tattoo down his arm, so people straight away was like, it "Doesn't look like a new tattoo," you know. It looks yeah. a bit settled for <laughs> someone. Not... You're better off like if uh, <laughs> I suppose you're better off having a tattoo now than it being the actual guy with not a tattoo. I guess. Yeah. You know, see what I mean. Because if he yeah, didn't have yeah. a tattoo and the, and the other guy did, it'd well, be like, so when wait I was a minute, re- didn't he used to okay. have a tattoo? So here's the weird thing. So when I was researching it, some articles were saying he was noticed because he had a tattoo. But then some articles were saying he was wearing a fake tattoo sleeve to look more like him. So it was conflicting. So I'm not sure which one's correct. But he also wore some sort of weird bandana to, I guess, push his hair back to make it look longer, to make it look more like... Claudio. So, um, I mean, for that alone, that's pretty much the maddest thing I've ever heard. But you, you, you know, you have a complete nothing career, probably one of the Premier League's biggest flops, really early doors in in, in the two thousands as well. And then you're most famous for pretending to be someone four, five, six, seven, ten times better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Bloody hell! It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. <laughs> Anyway, my, my nomination. So, for the majority of the noughties, Everton managed to maintain seventh place nearly every year without a decent striker. They sold a wonder kid in Wayne Rooney. They flopped with Andy Johnson, who couldn't find the same form that he had at Crystal Palace. The same arguably goes for James Beattie, James McFadden, Duncan Ferguson and Kevin Campbell, who they were good strikers in their own right. They were never consistently scoring into double figures over a season. However, a change in formation in 2007 would see David Moyes change from two strikers to one striker and would be heavily reliant on the talented midfield. His new acquisition, Yakubu, would hit the ground running, scoring 21 goals in his first season. But Yakubu wasn't exactly famous for his stamina and was quite injury prone. So their backup striker would have to be ready and primed at all times. No, don't worry. It's not Yakubu I'm inducting because he's a legend. Enter the B-Tech Yakubu, Victor Anichibi. <laughs> Bef- B-Tech. 
The fellow Nigerian striker, I believe, is misremembered as being the second coming of Emil Heskey. In reality, upon researching him some more today, he is in fact much worse than I remember and much worse than you remember. Trust me, hear me out, listen to this. If he played with another striker, there's every chance he could have held the ball up and been quite decent, having a striking partner to play into. But this never materialised and he was also slow, lethargic and never looked too bothered about anything. He was the product, though, of Everton's academy, which is probably why he lasted seven years at the Toffees, despite not really doing much. As Yukubu got 21 goals in his first season, Victor Inichibi would only achieve 26 in his entire time at Everton across 168 games. He would leave the Toffees in 2013 for West Brom, only scoring nine across three seasons. And then he would have a solitary season with Sunderland signed again once more by David Moyes, where he would score three goals as they were promptly relegated. There we go. Victor and each be for you. It is, it is amazing how uh, strikers that don't score goals manage to play for multiple teams in, you know, what's considered the greatest league in the world. It's like, yeah, I don't I, I don't see how they keep like okay, I've seen Moyes obviously likes him, so he signed him a couple of times, but I don't see how players of that keep getting signed. Really. I think he's quite... I'm not sure as well. I think he's quite fondly remembered in Everton. Yeah, um, if you're, if you're, if work rate. Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, calling... Well, a great work rate. You would score more than 26 goals yeah. in seven years. Yeah. But I think... Um, always looked only, like he was... I don't know. He only scored once for Nigeria like as well. But I was thinking, like, um, he, he, he's coming through Everton's academy. He's there for a long time. I think he's got the appreciation and maybe he does a lot yeah. in the area and he likes the area. So if you're an Everton fan, let us know what you think of Victor Inichby. But from the outside looking in, I always thought I always thought he was similar to Yukubu and, mm. you know, the, a Heskey type, so to say. But um, he was terrible. Like, he was just... Yeah. Couldn't... Couldn't shoot for Toffee. Well, hey, the bump, the bump. I mean, you couldn't shoot for the goals wherever he went. So yeah, the yak, yak man. Difference. Yeah, but you look at his stats. I mean, it's just he's not got over fifty goals as a striker. You, you've got to be a contender, you know. And he was lucky for to sure. play for those clubs, really. If you think oh, about for it. sure. Um, particularly Everton. I know they've never had a great record with strikers, but it's. Um, yeah, you really, really should have done a bit better there, I think. There we go. David Moyes for you. <laughs> so we've got two more inductees into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. But what I'm going to do now, listeners, is list off the Hall of Famers we have, and then I'm going to nominate one, and Harry's going to nominate one. And we will fight off between us ourselves into which one is going to be saved, which will then go to a poll for you guys to decide. So, in the Hall of Fame for the worst players of all time, the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame, we have, of course, the founder, Robbie Savage. We have Eric Jemba Jemba. We have Cleverson. We have Roy Carroll. What a team this is, by the way. Andre, <laughs> Andre Voridin. David Ngo. Salif Diaw. Pedro Mutinis. Alexander Hleb. James Beattie. The rapper, Royston Drenfer. Uh, <laughs> Philip Zebo, uh, Jean Alain Boomsong, Eagle Austin Stad, Andy O'Brien, and Jeremy Aliadier. And what was your guy's name? Today, today? he is uh, Daniel Cordona. 
Daniel Cordona and Victor Enichabi. So Harry, do you have any idea who you would like to nominate to save? I think I do. I think mainly because I felt a bit like I was just picking old wounds when I picked him. I think I might nominate James Beattie to be let go. A Southampton player? Well, I felt like I was a little bit just picking him because growing up, he was the Southampton player I hated the most, you know? So I felt maybe a little bit mean putting him there. <laughs> okay. childish. So, listeners, you have the opportunity to save James Beattie from being one of the worst players of all time. <laughs> I think, don't. yeah, I think maybe a bit harsh. <laughs> I think he wasn't a great striker by any stretch of the imagination. He's misremembered them as being as better being better than he actually was. Yeah. But when you compare him to Victor Inichabi, he's, he's, he's Ronaldo, isn't he? But, but there, there we are. Um, so you're opting to save James Beattie. I'm opting to save Alexander Hueb. Uh, as I've alluded to on previous episodes. I, well, he wasn't a great goal scorer. And he, at the end of his career, he was, you know, He's the only Belarusian player I think there's ever been of any prominence. So I think oh, he's got he's, that. He's got that going for him. He is the best Belarusian player ever. That's, that's, that's true. For sure. Um, I think Arsenal fans remember him quite fondly because he was quite. Well, he was slow and lethargic, but he was creative. He had good pass. He had good vision, and he did end up winning the Champions League with Barcelona. All of that goes in his favour. So Alexander Kleb for me, James Beater for you. We'll get that on the polls on Twitter and Instagram in the coming week. And uh, who are you going to evict from the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame and save their career? That's essentially what you're doing. You're saving their career <laughs> from embarrassment. Um, so, yes, James Beattie or Alexander Clem. Of course, always let us know if anyone you want to induct as well, you know, on the socials as per usual. But it's time now for our first quiz of the episode and one of the last of the series. It's Deal or No Deal. <laughs> So I'm going to go first. I'm going to, I've got some players for you, Harry. And if you're new to Deal or No Deal, um, it's pretty weird to be new on the last episode of the series, but there we go. If, you've, if you're tuning in for the first time, Deal or No Deal, it, it is what it says on the tin, really. We've got some players from the noughties. We've got some transfers, but are they true? Are they false? Whether they're a deal or are they a no deal? I, I don't know why I've done this, but I've decided to go for... England midfielders in the noughties. Okay. There were all five players at England midfielders in the noughties. I think I just got one, got two, and then thought, well, you know what, I might as well make it all five of them being uh, England players and specifically midfielders. So, Harry, are you ready for your deal or no deals? I am. And they're relatively easy as well, so I'm hoping you've been kind to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I take the yeah, silence I've, as a... I've been, I've been sort of kind. Okay, fair I enough. I think so. I think so. Fair enough. Here we go. So your first one is Gareth Barry. Okay. Ooh. Played for a few clubs. Did he move from Aston Villa to Manchester City in 2009 for £12 million? Deal or no deal? I believe it's a deal. Correct. Well done. Of course he did. 2009, Aston Villa to Man City. Number two. Joe Cole played for a few clubs as well. He did, he did. Played for every club in London, pretty much. <laughs> but did he move from Chelsea to West Ham on a free 
in 2010? Ooh. Deal or no deal? Oh, oh man. Uh, go on, let's say, let's say deal. I'm trying to think if he went. Uh-uh. Oh. Correct. Started there. Wrong. He started West Ham. That's right. Went to Chelsea. Oh, yeah. I Who did he join on a free? Who did is he join it, on a free? Is it Liverpool? It is Liverpool. Ah. Oh, so you have the answer. But why do you say West Ham? Weird. Oh, yeah. I just thought he there went we back there maybe for a bit in between. That's my thinking. <laughs> Number three. Stuart Downing. Did he move from Middlesbrough? Yeah. To Liverpool in 2009 for 10 million pounds that is a deal uh, uh, really that's wrong you were so confident in your answer there as well oh. he went from Middlesbrough to Aston Villa oh, and of went course. from Aston Villa of course. to Liverpool of course you were so you were so quick to answer that you know, yeah you I was know, like you, oh Kenny Degley signed him like yeah mm. yeah but no I forgot yeah, of course, he went Villa first. That great Villa side. <laughs> Your exact words there were, that is a deal. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> number so four. Sure. Number four, and you've only got one. So you really need to get these last two. <laughs> no pressure. Number one, Tom Huddleston. Did he go from Derby County to Tottenham Hotspur in 2005 for 4.23 million? See, I'm now really doubting myself because again, I feel yeah. I'm gonna again, I'm gonna say deal. But <laughs> I feel like that's all I've said. It is a deal. All right, good, good. Doubting myself so much, right? I was like, went to Spurs, of course. Yeah, <laughs> he went to Spurs and he went to Hull and he's back at Derby. Don't know if he still plays actually. Last but not least, Scott Parker. Did he move from Chelsea to Newcastle in 2005 for 6.25 million? Oh man, Newcastle. I thought these were relatively easy. Did he play? Oh, that one's throwing me. Um, I don't want to end up on just two though. <laughs> Do I really want to take a guess? Um, try and work this out. It's Fulham, then Chelsea. All right. No. Did he, did he move from Chelsea to Newcastle in 2005? Yeah. I'm trying to work. Did he play? I can he say. I feel like he. I feel like he did play for Newcastle. Yeah. Let's let's say it's a. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. This is again. I feel like I want to say deal, but then I've said it so many times today that I feel like maybe it's safer if I say no deal. Uh, I'm going to say deal he's gone for it and you're right to do so because it yes. was a deal All right. Scott, Scott Parker started off at West Ham he was there with Joe Cole um, he was in the Chelsea Academy at one point as well played for Fulham Charlton Chelsea Newcastle he's been all over been all over so three out of five you kind of saved yourself not too bad not too bad. I yeah, I think you uh, you take that. Oh yeah, I will. More um, feel for me then. Right. So for you, I've just gone for like proper naughties names, like 
names that you know you wouldn't even noughties are like just you sort of players or moved around quite a bit utility sort of players so uh we're starting off with a uh, Michael Chopra. So God, did he, he leave? Sorry. He'd play for like every club under the sun. <laughs> did he leave Newcastle for their rival Sunderland for six point seven five million pounds? What year? Uh I haven't written it down, but I believe I see I'll give you I believe, clues. I believe he he uh he left Newcastle in like 2003. Oh, I know he played for both. I know he didn't play a lot at Newcastle, but deal? It's no deal because the, uh, he goes to Cardiff for £675,000 and then a year later to Sunderland for £6.75 million. What's a oh, great dude. return for Cardiff. Incredible return. Very good. All right. Mikael Forsell. Chelsea to Birmingham for four point zero five million pounds. Deal. It is a deal. Well done. See, it's quite that was an easy one. See, I told you it's, it's quite easy. This one, to be fair, if I did, if I knew we we're talking about controversial transfers, I've got two here, not Newcastle, <laughs> Sunderland, and here what this one here for you. Do you remember a player of Rohan Ricketts? Yeah. Did he leave Arsenal for Tottenham on a free? Newcastle. Arsenal. Arsenal, sorry. To Tottenham. Um, Again, rival to rival. Deal? I don't know. It is indeed. There we go. It is indeed. All right. Just shows at the time, it wasn't that controversial to leave Arsenal to go to Tottenham. It's only if you went the other way. I think it depends on the stature of the player. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. One of your favourite players of this time, Brian McBride. When he left Fulham, was it to join Columbus Crew in the MLS? Oh, don't screw me over with it being another obscure MLS team if it's not Columbus Crew. <laughs> oh, you fucking idiot. It wasn't Columbus Crew, it was Chicago Fire. But as if I was going to remember that. Oh. Well, I know he had a stint at Everton before Fulham. He did. Oh. Fulham was his last team in England. That's why I've gone for that. Columbus Crew. Now, I'm very tempted to say deal. But I also know how your brain works. I think you might stitch me up by naming. It could be... (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Um, I think he went back to Chicago Fire. I'm going to say no deal. Wow. You'll be very good for saying no deal. Because you didn't go to Columbus Crew. You went to Chicago Fire. Yes! I, I, got, it, <laughs> I got it small. On. Columbus Crew's the team he uh, played for before he came to Europe. Uh, I thought it was because he was there with Brad Friedel. Um Wow, I can't believe, not only did I get it right, but I, I named the other score MLS team you tried to screw <laughs> me over with. You get. You literally did it in your like example as well. <laughs> You're like... Went Chicago Fire. Kept a very straight face. Okay, last one for you. Robbie Savage. Did he leave Derby on loan for Brighton and Hove? 
amount of times I've looked at this man's Wikipedia page. I should know this. <laughs> um, I think he did go online, but I don't think he played a game. So, deal. He did indeed go online to Brighton. Which is such a weird, weird thing to think. So that's four well, out of five. He did yes. well. Pulled it back, pulled it back. And I, I took the lead in uh, this week's transfer games. Well, I was impressed myself there. Jesus Christ. Got the exact clubs as well. Fair play, fair play. Impressive, impressive stuff there. Pat myself on the back. It's time now for the last starting 11 of the series. That's a good ball for Roberto Carlos. Hooked into the penalty area towards the down. This is the game in which we pick a famous game from the noughties and we have to guess the starting 11, the starting lineup of uh, of that particular game in under three minutes. Um, so if it's okay with you, Harry, what games have you got for me? Yeah, so uh, I went looking for the last game to be played in the decade, essentially, in the Premier League. So, for, so for, for the last game I could find was on the 30th of December 2009. And it was actually uh, Manchester United, which is a bit of luck for you, versus Wigan. And you won five nil. And I, I'm not, I'm not cruel, so I'm not going to ask you to name a random Wigan side from 2009. But I am going to ask you to name the <laughs> random. <laughs> I am going to ask you to name the random Manchester United side that beat them five nil. It's a random side, is it? I mean, there's a lot of players you'd expect. To be fair, okay. there's a few that you would probably wouldn't expect so much. Go. Um, Rooney. Yes. Tevez. No. Berbatov. Yes. That's strikers. Goalkeeper must have been Van der Sar. It's not. Not Van der Sar. Thomas Kuchak. It is. Well done. Bloody hell. Uh, Evra. Yep. Raphael. Right back. Raphael de Silva. Yeah. Rafael da Silva. He's playing right back. He's, he's, wow. he's, he's on a pitch, yeah. Wow. Uh, Vidic and Ferdinand, centre-backs. Vidic is, not Ferdinand. Uh, Johnny Evans. It's not Johnny Evans. John O'Shea. It's not John O'Shea. Wes Brown. It is Wes Brown, well done. Nice. Um, so you back four. So just the midfielders, Giggs. No Giggs. Skulls. No Skulls. This no. is where it's a... A little bit different. Not no. Anderson. No. No nanny. No Anderson. No gigs. No skulls. Fletcher. Fletcher is there. Yes. Uh, Carrick. He is partnered by Carrick. Well done. Uh, Parchy son. Yes, we have a present. <laughs> so, is it the right wing or a left wing I need? So, again, it didn't give me where they're playing, but I imagine okay. it's. I, I'd imagine it'd be playing. Because Park Ji Sung probably played on the right. He play anywhere. He play anywhere. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Because uh, Park Ji Sung's on. I'm not really. I mean, I was about to give you his name then. The other player sort of <laughs> switched wings now and then. Okay. Um, so it's not Ronaldo because he would have gone by this point. Um, Just over a minute. It's going to be obs- it's an obscure one, isn't it? Valencia. It is indeed. Well done. Is it? Oh my yeah, God. Exactly a minute left as well. 59 seconds left. 
Oh, pull down the back. Jesus. Well done. So, yeah, Thomas Cusack, De Silva, Vidic, Brown, Evera, Valencia, Fletcher, Carrick, Park Ji-sung, Berbatov and Rooney. We've not spoken enough about Park Ji-sung in this podcast yet. Maybe in the future. We need a whole podcast dedicated to him. Well, maybe in the future, if, if we've got any PSV Eindhoven fans um, or any Manchester United fans who want to come on in the future, who aren't myself, to, to talk about Park Ji-sung a bit more, you're more than welcome to. But it's time now for Harry starting eleven. So I decided to also be kind to you. You may not think I've been kind to you at first. All right. I decided to go for the last Champions League final of the decade that had an English side. All right. So uh, the last Champions League, so the 2010 final was um, Bayern Munich into Milan. So I went back a year. It was Barcelona against Manchester United. 2009, Barcelona right. won 2-0 in the Champions League final. Now, in this series already, you've already named the Barcelona side. I think it was the 2006 side in the final against Arsenal Indeed. you named last time. So this time, I want you to name the Barcelona side that won the 2009 Champions League final. All right. They were playing a 4-3-3. Now, Four, if... Three, exactly. Three. Managed, of course, by managed, of course, by Pep Guardiola. Um, you've got a very good chance of getting eleven out of eleven to draw with me. Can you do it in two minutes? Though? <laughs> we'll see. Probably Your three not. minutes starts now. Play along at home. All right. So Barcelona, two thousand and nine. Samuel has got to be there. Yep, striker. All right. 4-3-3. So I'm guessing Messi is in that front three as well. Yeah, on the right. Scored the goal. All right. Scored a header. At this time, the king was up front as well, Thierry Henry. He was. All right. So then, this time, all right, last time, they, they messed me up. But this time, Iniesta's in the middle, right? <laughs> he is. With Xavi. Yes. All right. Uh, so then I'm looking for another midfielder and, and the back five forward back oh goalkeeper's Valdez yeah let's get him over and done with before forget goalkeeper um, Valdez I've got Iniesta Xavieto Henri Messi uh, Tom Puyol at the back playing right back playing right back okay so then PK's in the middle. Yep. With him would be then Torre. Yaya Torre playing centre back. How did you get that? Because he's a midfielder, normally. Yeah. I, I knew. I was. I'm, I'm not really so sure. I was just like, who else could play centre back? Because Poyol's out on the right. You said right. Mm-hmm. Um. Who's the other? No, because we're looking for me. I'm thinking of another defender, but oh no, I need another defender, don't I? You need a left back and you need a midfielder. Just yeah. over a minute left. Oh well, here we go. Uh, who else was playing in the midfield? Iniesta, Xavi, Torres at the back. You should get this because it's like the classic three. Oh, so it's um, yeah, it's uh, Bus- Busquets. Yep, Sergio Biscuits. 
biscuits. I'd eat, I'd eat some Sergio biscuits. I ain't going to get this left back. Um, you might. I can't even think he played left back from it this time. I'm, I'm drawing. A... Um, is he a left back? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, he mainly is a left, like a fullback. I think he's Brazilian. It's not. It's not Something Eric. Goes. Yes, it's well, not Eric. Brazilian. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not uh, Eric Abidal, who I believe was off having treatment. It's not Giovanni van Bronckhorst. I believe he played for Arsenal. Ten seconds. It's something in here because he's Brazilian, but yeah, five, God knows what. Four. Jorginho. <laughs> close. Um, his first name. His first name sounds a bit like a type of metal. Not gold. Oh, like, five. Four. Oh, it's like Silvino. Yes. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm out of time. Yeah, you're, sure. 20, you're 20 seconds past the time, but uh, <laughs> and you basically gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, not gold. It was like it was like it was <laughs> me like, a second as well. I'm like not gold. Bronzino, like, that's not player. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go. Bronzino, like, aluminium, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Alluminio. laughs> Oh, I'd love a player called aluminium. Stilinio. <laughs> Stellino. I'm gonna write Stellino. I know I said Silvino, but I'm writing Stellino on my paper. Oh, that's great. Um Kevlarinio, yeah. All the metals on there. Mercurio. Yeah. Oh dear. Great, you've done pretty well there. Yeah. So Victor Valdez, Silvino, Charles Piquet, uh Arturi, Carlos Puyol, Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta, Messi, Etu, and Henri, which is a classic Barcelona lineup. I yeah. certainly remember anyway. I think uh, I, I just good Johnson on the time. bench, Boyan on the bench, Pedro on the bench, um, Sadu Keita, if you remember him as well, on the bench as well. But there we go. So that's it for this um, kind of very special episode at the end of series one of Team of Our Lives. Hope you have enjoyed it. As always, get in touch with any Robbie Savage Hall of Famous, any questions or anything you want us to talk about in series two. Uh, team of our lives at gmail.com for that one and of course always follow subscribe to us wherever you listen to this podcast and follow us on the twitter at team of our lives and instagram ultra11.football um series two will be coming up in a couple of weeks hopefully with some more interviews and insights from other people into naughty's football so until then sayonara team Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network